Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to uh, John's Gospel and uh, chapter number 6. And we'll begin reading in uh, verse number 1. We're dealing with this matter of a miracle of a ministry. And uh, Jesus takes this bread and uh, he ministers to this multitude. And uh, we've realized that there's always a blessing in the miracle of ministry. Uh, you'll never put in more than what you'll get out. Uh, there will be an abundance, uh, a running over, a pressed down. And uh, so I thank God for the joys of, and blessings of uh, this matter of, of being a part of what God's doing. Not me starting up something, uh, but plugging into what Jesus uh, knows he wants done. And realizing he's using you in some aspect. What a tremendous blessing that is. And then we noticed last night that there's the miracle of the boy ministry. How that God so often uh, will get the resources of his miracles from least likely places. Uh, his uh, human substances will come from areas that we would never have thought of. When heaven ministers on earth, it, it will involve a, an earthly substance. And so it was with that little boy, that lad, how the Lord used him. And how the Lord uses us, it doesn't matter the area, it doesn't matter the amount, it doesn't matter the age, you just got to get an announcement. Amen. You got to hear from heaven. Yes, and once you get that announcement, then you'll be on track and the Lord can use you. But I want to go a step further tonight and, and I want to preach on the miracle of the broken ministry. I'm interested in how God takes the whole. He can't use the whole. He's got to separate it, divide it up, so that he can meet the needs of the many. And uh, so it is in this area of ministry. Uh, it involves a measure of brokenness. As a matter of fact, it's one of the great certainties of the Christian life that we will not be exempt from sorrow, heartache, and pain. But God will allow it so that it can minister to others who have sorrow, heartache, and pain. And uh, so we're going to touch on this matter of broken bread or broken lives, brokenness so that so that God can take us and he can divide us up and, and give us to the many to meet the needs. So let's begin in verse 1 and read down through verse number 14 again. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. The Passover, the feast of the Jews, was nine. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, 
Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. I want us to look at this, uh, this matter of the breaking of the bread. Uh, John calls it, he, he distributes it. The other writers, and it's recorded in all four Gospels, uses the word, uh, he breaks the bread. But the emphasis is, is he's, he's taking that, which is one, and separating it to meet the needs of many. He does it in a, in a broken way. And uh, there are three or four things that I want to emphasize about this matter of the, the miracle of the broken ministry, how that, how that seems to be such a paradox, how God operates in our lives and in a way unlike what this world would expect, how that if we are going to live, we must first die. And uh, it, it is a paradox how that, how that God will take that which is whole so that he can break it and and then dispense of it. It is how he works things. And so I want us to look at this and and notice this matter of the miracle of the ministry, how God can take things broken and use them when we cannot use them because they are broken. Now, the first thing I want to bring to your attention is, uh, is found in verse number 11. That first little phrase there. The Bible said, And Jesus took the loaves. I want us to notice there how God takes things. Now, when we look at that word take there, the word took, he, he took the loaves. The word took there has two expressions that it could be. One, it could be a word of reception. He took or he received the loaves. The other side of that word indicates that it may have been aggressive. He took the loaves. Now, I would uh, like to think that this boy gave him the loaves, rendered them willfully. But let me go on to say this. Uh, 
Either way, he took it. And may I say to you that there are things in our lives that, that uh, he'll take them if you'll give them. But uh, if you won't give it, he can take it aggressively. He took the loaves one way or another. He intends on doing a work, and so sometimes he has to take things. But the thing that leaped out about this and seemed to set upon my heart is, is that, that Jesus would even get involved in this circumstance. Especially when you consider that these people, uh, the Bible tells us, came, verse number 2, because they saw the miracles. They came to be entertained. They were coming for another show. They're hoping Jesus would do something else that would be spectacular. This was uh, their, their reason for being there. But not only that, they come unprepared. Uh, They come with negligence. They're going to travel this great distance. They're going to go, as the other writer said, it was a wilderness place. They're going to go out into an uh, uh, also a desert place. They're going to go out there in, in mobs, but yet they're not going to bring something to eat. They're not going to bring bread. They're not going to bring food. And we know that their children are with them because this lad is there, the one that was prepared for. But we don't know how many uh, children were there. And, and here they come all the way out here without giving a second thought about what they were going to eat or what they were going to drink while they were there. Amen. Now... I have, as a pastor, and I must be honest, gotten disgusted with certain people over, over the fixes that they got their lives in. Uh, they, 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 they just got themselves in the fix, and then they, they came, you know, to the church hoping maybe we could just wave a wand and everything would be all right. And I was thinking, you know, how oftentimes uh, uh, people came to Christ like that. And uh, he would meet these needs. But what I'm emphasizing here, he didn't have to take that bread. He was under no obligation to feed these folks. He could have said, look, you've come out here on your own. You've come to see a big whirlwind of a show. You weren't prepared. So, you know, do your best. And I'm gone. I'm going on up in the mountains. I'm going to pray and... and, uh, I'm not getting involved. He, could, he doesn't have to take the case. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes, sir. The, the blessing is in the fact that he is willing to take that bread. He, he wouldn't break bread for him. He wouldn't take a stone and turn it into bread for him own, his own self. But yet here, he's going to take this little bit of bread and feed this multitude when he doesn't have to get involved. But he's willing to get involved. And the thing that blessed me about that is I considered my own life. I'm going to tell you. Uh, lost as I was, and yet he was willing to take my case. He didn't have to. We sometimes act like that heaven is blessed because we uh, somehow got in. Uh, But I'm going to tell you, it's not like that. Uh, 
We need to realize he didn't have to take your case. He didn't have to die for you. He didn't have to save you. He didn't have to take. He didn't have to do it. It's kind of like going to the doctor and the doctor saying, I just don't, I, I can't take your case. Or the lawyer saying, I can't take your case. But thank God Jesus was willing to take this bread. And I'm glad one day he took my life. And thank God he took your life. He was willing to get involved someone like myself. But when you think about the detriment and, and uh, the harshness of this situation, had he not got involved? These people are a long ways away from home. They are, they are hungry. And uh, there is no food. I don't know what their health uh, is like as far as in generality. I'm sure people of different, some uh, may be diabetic, some of some other sort, but certainly they don't have the energy to get back. Who knows what's going to, to unfold if, if he doesn't take the case. And I'm going to tell you who I'm really concerned about. I'm concerned about this little old boy with this bread amongst all these brutish men who don't have anything to eat. And uh, could it be? I don't know. Could it be if, if that they, they were so hungry that some would have even pounced on this boy to take his bread from him and consume it themselves? But thank God we'll never know what would have happened because we know what did happen. Jesus took the case. <laughs> and I'm glad this is reported to you. Yes, I was lost. Yes, I was raised in a hellish situation. Yes, yes, I was a wicked sinner. And, and I, I hesitate to think where all of that would have ended up. But thank God I don't have to worry about that. He took my case. He took my case. Aren't you glad he took your case? Aren't you glad that he came? Oh, you were so sinful and, and uh, so independent and so arrogant and, and, uh, and, and all the messes in your life were your fault. You might as well own up to it. And who knows where you would have ended up. But thank God we don't have to worry about that. He took our case. I'm here to tell you I'm glad he takes things. He takes things. I'm glad he took my life. I'm glad he took my heart. I'm glad he took my case. He takes things. Takes things. But, uh, you know, not only does he take things... But our emphasis in this text is that he also breaks things. He does not right handle with care on his children. Look at all of the saints through the ages and you'll find a great measure of breaking and of suffering. Whether we're speaking of Moses or whether we're speaking of David running from Saul, or Joseph uh, being bound there in Egypt, made a servant out of, or the Apostle Paul with the thorns in the flesh, or Christ himself who suffered for us, it is part of the, the ministry. Can we, we, we must, and I must say this to you, uh, I don't like it any more than you do, but let us look at our reflections as blessings through which God squeezes out the fragrance of the flower to radiate 
the, the atmosphere for others. The alabaster box being broken in preparation. Uh, this matter of suffering, let us not wear it on our sleeves. Let us not go and complain about our, our physical debilities uh, or, or our pains or our sufferings or our heartaches or whatever they are. Uh, let us just say, Lord, if it's you and you're breaking me to use me, to you be the glory. He is, he is in the business. Uh, if he's going to do anything, he's got to break us. Now notice, notice the, the word here is, is the word loaves. That's, he took the loaves. I was looking up that word and you know that word loaves there is the word that we find in the Old Testament as showbread. You remember in the tabernacle. And it is also the New Testament word, get this, for purpose. Purpose. And what it means, it means to be ordered before the face of God Almighty. In other words, when God told the children of Israel to make that bread, He did not leave anything to the imagination. But he said, I want you to take that, that flour that has been ground up, of course, in the indication of pain. I want you to take that flour and I want it to be baked at fire, which is an indication of suffering. But he said, I want these ingredients to be in it. And then I, I want it to be cut, also an indication of suffering, into 12 pieces. And then I want it to be placed on this table and I want it to be left a certain amount of time and these are the only people that can partake of it. In other words, he didn't leave anything for the imagination of the children of Israel. He oversaw the completeness of this bread. It is the New Testament word purpose for your life and for my life. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God that are called according to His what? His overseeing of our lives according to His purpose. He's leaving nothing to the imagination. He's overseeing our suffering probably more than any other aspect of our lives. He is there. He has a purpose in our tears. He has a purpose in our pain. He has a purpose in our illnesses. He has a purpose. He's ministering through it. He's making bread out of it. And He's making that bread to touch other lives. Yes, it is a measure of brokenness, but all the greatness... Of God in His very purpose. It is His portion. This bread, though it belonged to this little boy, did not begin with this boy. It began in the creation of God when He, he made that wheat, uh, when, when He made that barley. All this belongs to God, but it just, it just happens to be right now in His hands. He is the one controlling it. 
Can I suggest to you that as is the potter with the clay, when you are his child, you are placed in his hands that he might mold and make you through the pressures and the spinnings and whatever it takes to the glory of God because he wants to make a vessel that can help somebody else and minister to others. This is not about you nor me. It's about others. If he does, if the, if the seed, except it fall to the ground, it abideth alone. But in that falling to the ground and in its death and splitting open, there comes out life and more life that will help others along the way. God squeezing out of us. So I say to you that uh, there is this matter of God who takes things. And then there is this matter of God who breaks things. But he's not breaking in vain. He's not just showing us that he's sovereign. He's not the bully sitting on the throne that likes to see the children beg. But as his son came to suffer and die, he realizes that there is this, as I say already, there is a purpose. There's something going to come out of that. When you take that meal, when you take that corn and you have it ground down, there's something in mind with that. When you take it and you mesh it together, you sift it. There's something in mind for that. When you put it in that oven and you bake it in the heat, there is something in mind with that. When you Cut it, there is something in mind with that. In other words, God is not only, not does He take things, not only does He break things, but thank God He makes things. Let us rejoice and you believe this. Because on the one hand, if God is breaking you in any measure at all, by faith claim this promise that on the other hand, He's making something. Now you may not see what he is making. You may not have seen or comprehend what he's making. But I promise you, you're not going to be broken in vain. He's making something. I notice that he brings so much together in this text as a result of this breaking. Notice how this unorganized multitude has been, this 5,000 has been brought to order. This 5,000 has been brought to fullness. As they have all been hungry and famished, but now they are full. He has made them full. This, this, uh, this breaking of this bread has, has, uh, has brought forth even baskets with all of the fragments that, uh, fragments that have been, ha- have made those baskets stuffed uh, to the brim. He has made some things. Someone has said broken soil gives a crop, broken clouds give rain, broken grain gives bread, broken bread gives strength, broken flowers give perfume, and broken saints give a blessing. Now I'm not asking you to volunteer for this. Don't run off in the corner somewhere and say, oh Lord, I just wish you'd hit me in the head with a hammer. These things you don't have to request, they just come. As I said, he took the bread. 
And what he will do, he will come into your securities. He will come uh, into uh, your, your hours of, of which everything seems to be tra- tranquil and okay. And he will begin to do some breaking. It may be in a child. It may be in a pain. It may be in a doctor's visit. It may be in a financial way. Who knows? But thank God there's some people out there that need help and they're going to be helped through our brokenness. The greatest sermons that have ever been preached have been preached out of brokenness. The greatest songs that have ever been sung have been written and sung out of brokenness. The greatest worship that's ever been experienced has been experienced as a result of brokenness. He's taking things. He's breaking things. But thank God he's making things. As a family, years ago with the children, we went to uh, Pigeon Forge to Dollywood. And there they have uh, different uh, setups for... uh, Artists that might paint or that might do woodwork or one thing or another. The thing that captivated us is we come upon the blacksmith. And at that point in time, he had a rod of iron and he was putting it in the bellows and uh, the fire, that hot coals. Then he would bring it out and he had that that hammer and he would beat on that thing and those it just it just just like there was no meaning to it boom 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 sparks flying everywhere and we got so captivated me the wife and the children we just we got glued to it i guess we stood there for 40, 45 minutes watching, wondering. And he would stick it back in and then he'd beat it some more and put it in the water and stick it back in, beat it, nothing made sense. But the more he did that, the more it began to take form and how you could make form out of beating on something. It's beyond me. And it started taking the shape of some kind of a, uh, of a reptile, a head. So we guessed that it was a snake. We were sure that it was a snake, but he just kept on beating and beating and beating. And finally, when he had gotten finished with it, he took and he, he clipped the head off, and you could, you could see it then. You could just, but we were so focused, we were so thinking of a snake, we just, we couldn't see what it really was until one of the young'uns or the wife or whatever looked over and said, I know what it is, and all alone, there had been the whole shell and the body of a turtle sitting over behind this man that he had already wrought out. But we didn't see it. But then it made perfect sense. He was making the turtle's head. And he took that little piece of steel, he cut it off, and he put that head right back right in there. And man, it, it all had a reason as a result of that. It brought everything together. And may I say to you, for the most of life, we may not understand, we may not be able to perceive, we may not be able to see, but God has His way in the the sufferings of His children because He's making things. He's making things. God takes things. God breaks things. God 
makes things. And how many of us tonight can look back over our lives and be amazed at what God made out of something that we didn't figure any good could come out of it? But he made something out of it. But then I would close with this thought. God, not only in this matter uh, here, not only takes things and breaks things and makes things, but God awakens things. Notice what happens in verse number 14. As a result of taking this boy's whole loaves of bread and breaking them apart and ministering to the multitude... They came to this conclusion. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. You see, in all actuality, what suffering is, is it is God's way of conforming us into the image of His Son so others can see Jesus in our lives. And that's the only way it can be made known. As a matter of fact, did you know that you can't really even fellowship with Christ unless you know something about suffering? That's why Paul said that I might know Him the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Somebody said, oh no, I can fellowship with him over my new car. No, you know what the word fellowship means? Fellowship. It means to be able to have a common ground. Something that two people have something in common, therefore they can talk about it. In other words, you have two tractors alike. You can say, how's your tractor got this on it? My tractor's got... And you can, so to speak, fellowship over those tractors or whatever it may be. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't fellowship with Christ over your new car. Now you can thank Him for the new car. You can thank Him for the blessing of the new car because He blesses us with things that He never afforded Himself. But you can't fellowship with Him. Why? Because He doesn't have anything in common. If you go to Him and say, Lord, I just want to fellowship with you over my new car, He'd say, well, I'm sorry. I, I, never, I, never, I never had anything like that. Lord, I'd like to come and fellowship with you over my new house. I'd love to, but I never had one of those. Lord, I'd like to come and fellowship with you over the attendance Sunday. Man, we had over a hundred. He said, I'd like to, but I don't know nothing about that. He said, they all left me at the cross. And everything. I, didn't, I didn't have none of that. No, you can't fellowship. I'm going to tell you though, when you taste of suffering and pain and heartache, you can go sit down and talk to him and he'll know what you're talking about. Because he knows what it's to be rejected. He knows what it's to be like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to go through the the sufferings of this world. He knows. And you can fellowship with him and he wants you. Listen. Somebody said, why did Abraham have to offer his son up as the same as offering him up? I'm going to tell you why. Because God wanted somebody to know what he knew as far as giving his son up. In God's own heart, he had already gave his son before the foundation of the world. And he said, I want somebody that knows what I'm going through. And Abraham was the only man in the Old Testament that could fellowship with God over giving his son up. I'll tell you, Hosea, he could go off in his room and get down and say, Lord, 
My, my wife has forsaken me, and the Lord said, I know what you're talking about, son. Mine has forsaken me too. Lord, she's played the harlot. He said, yes, I know my people have played the harlot too. And there was a bond, a fellowship. Jesus knows that's why he can be touched. But I'm going to tell you something. We're all interested in him being touched by our infirmities, but we don't want to be touched by his infirmities. But it's one and the same. May we thank him for the commonality of being able to taste a little bit of the sufferings that he has gone through. Because all he's doing in a roundabout way is he's making Jesus out of you. And the only way he can do it is through the hammering and the cutting and the sawing and things of that nature. And besides, we've been predestinated to be conformed into the image of his son. And what good are we to this world if we're not showing them Jesus? And how can we show them Jesus other than them seeing him through what he's done in our lives? And they saw it through the breaking of the bread. But if you'll go on over there further in that same chapter, Jesus goes as far as to say, Hey, I am the bread. I am the bread. I just want you to know I am the bread. I'm right in the middle of that. I'm a part of that. But these things are not easy, but they're truth. We, must, we can't just rejoice in the sunshine. We've got to rejoice in the rain. We can't just rejoice in the stillness. We sometimes have to rejoice in the pain. Years ago, when I pastored, me and the wife, we did what was called interior decorating. Well, that's no more than painting and hanging wallpaper. But if you give it a good name, you can charge a little more. How's that sound? And early on, of course, uh, we would... uh, There'd be somebody who'd want some paint uh, and to paint a room, but uh, it'd have to be matched. And so we'd have to go to the uh, hardware store, to the paint department, and we'd have to get some, some paint mixed for whatever the dear lady of the house wanted the room. Well, a lot of things I didn't know I had to learn. One thing, I didn't know that there has to be one color added to make every color. Do you know what color that is? Black. I don't care if you're making red, blue, yellow, green. You, if you're making white, you've got to have black. I didn't know that. And could you imagine my expression when I said to that, that man, I said, I need this color. And the first thing he did, he goes over and gets a base gallon of paint with no pigment in it slides it under these uh, cylinders that are on a a spindle, and the first color he goes to is black. And I'm thinking, oh, man. That lady ain't going to like that, I'll tell you. This guy's new. And then he's spinning it around and get a bright red, and then spinning it around and get a bright yellow. And, and, And by the time he's finished spinning and squirting in there, I know he doesn't know what he's doing. But he's whistling Dixie. He's acting like he's got it covered. And he'll put the lid on that thing with the rubber mallet and, and, and write the, the ingredients on it. And then he'll take it over there and put it in that mixer and go, it'll go to mixing. Gets done mixing and he brings it over there and sets it on a counter, puts the wooden stir stick on top of it and looks at you grinning and said, anything else can I do for you? 
And I said, well, if you don't mind, would you take the lid off of that? I want to see if it's a long ways to where I'm going. I want to see if this. And, I, and I've had him do it many times, take the lid off from it. If he's done his job right, he'll stick that stick in there about an inch, take a blow dryer and blow it off, and then hold it up. And much to your amazement, he will, took, he will have taken all those colors you did not want, put them in a bucket and shake it up, and bring out the one color that you did want. Isn't that amazing? And while I was watching that one day, I'd been going through some things, and the Lord spoke to my heart and told me, gave me this great illustration. He said, see there, son? He said, you're fighting against what all I'm doing in your life because I'm thinking he's ruining me. Lord, I, don't, I didn't plan on that. I didn't think you was going, no, Lord, don't do that. Allows things to come into your life and then he'll just put the lid and hang you to the, hand you to the Holy Ghost and then he'll go, the ghost goes shaking you. Man, that is bad. I'm telling you, it's over then. And you'll say, Lord, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? I didn't expect this. But one of these days in glory, the Holy Ghost will take the lid off of your life. And much to your amazement, he's going to take all of those colors and experiences you didn't want, put them in your life, and bring out the one thing that was supposed to be, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever it takes, we're not in this world just to be in this world. We're here to be replicas and pictures of Christ to this world. And it's going to take what he went through in our lives. A measure of suffering. But oh, how glorious it is. As Paul said, after ye suffer a while. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. After that ye suffer a while, the Lord make you perfect. Settle and establish you. After that ye suffer. But I'm going to tell you something. There's just something about looking into the eyes of someone who's suffering with a heart that has suffered also. You can minister that way. That's why Joseph could walk into that prison cell to those two servants of Pharaoh, the butler and the baker, and said, Why look you so sadly? How'd he know they were looking sadly? He'd been there. And he could minister to them. God has a special place in this old world to touch special hearts through your tears, anguish, and sorrow. But let us lay it all before Him and say, Lord, You make me. You take me. You break me. And You use me. We can moan and groan. Or we can be used of the Lord. I thought about uh, I thought about a pastor that I sat under for several years. Great man of God, since went to be with the Lord. I wondered where his power came from, but I found out. When he was a younger, much younger man, a drunk, T-boned his wife's car, 
killed his daughter instantly. She was in the hospital for a long time. Didn't know if she'd make it or not. His testimony was, he said on that Sunday morning when I was supposed to be going to church, he said, I knew I couldn't. He said, I didn't think I could ever preach again. Then I was sitting at the table and a knock came at the door. He said, I went and opened the door and he said it was an elderly pastor, much older than he. And uh, he knew him. And he said the preacher just came in and sat in a chair over from him, but said not a word. Stayed there, the preacher said, seemed like for an hour, but probably only for five minutes. And said he got up, went to the door, opened it, was fixing to leave. And he said, I got a little disturbed about that. And said, I stopped and said, hey, come back here. Did you come all the way over here just to sit here? And look at me, what are you doing here? He said that old preacher looked at him and said, Brother Harold, I just thought I'd drive by this morning. I wanted to see a man that God could trust to turn the devil loose on and he'd still serve him. He said the old preacher left. He said, I got up and put my clothes on and went to the house of God and preached and have preached ever since. But he's had to preach. He had to preach out of the measures of his suffering.